the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, everybody. I'm Dennis Prager, and this is known as the Dennis Prager Show. Larry Elder is on the ballot in California. He is by far the favorite among the opponents of Gavin Newsom. The question is whether the people of California will do what the people of Washington and Illinois, Chicago, New York, and every other metropolitan area do, and that is vote to hurt themselves. I've never quite uh, seen something like this, where people vote those who hurt them. Vote for those who hurt them. Which shows you that true belief is more powerful than even self-interest. The human yearning to believe in something is that deep. I, I mentioned to you last week that the dictator of China, Xi, gave a speech at the 100th anniversary of one of the most blood-soaked regimes in the history of the world, the Communist Party of China, in which his father was beaten to death and other relatives were terribly hurt by Mao, and he stands there and lauds Mao. Now, if you can laud somebody who beat your father, thanks to whom your father was beaten, to be more precise then you can vote for people who, figuratively, beat you. Blacks voting for Democrats are doing exactly that. People who live in safe places say defund the police. Now the mayor of Portland, an a-hole if there ever was one, has come out in favor of more police. The beauty of being on the left is something I wrote about a quarter of a century ago. I believe it's on the internet. Being on the left means never having to say you're sorry. It's one of the great benefits of being on the left. I have on the line Ronald Pestrito, professor of politics at Hillsdale College. And I'm glad to bring to your attention an important new book, America Transformed, The Rise and Legacy of American Progressivism. Do you want to understand what the origins of America's left are? This is a book to do so. Professor Pastrito, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Hi, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. Yes, indeed. People don't know, and it's understandable, they think, to the extent that they think, they think that it started in the 60s. That's incorrect, is that right? Well, that's right. The 60s are a reflection of of what came before in earlier waves of of liberalism, but, you know, one of the reasons I I wrote the book is because people now in 
in, in our times have become so so troubled, many of them, by what they see and don't and don't know that there's a much longer history to this. That's right. When would you say it began? So I try to trace it in the book back to the latter part of the 1900s, uh, and really, uh, Dennis, to the, just the really big changes that happened in, in American higher education at that time. And that's because the progressive movement and a lot of the ideas that we get filtering in, really changing the country in the 20th and now 21st century, uh, really were the result of of very different political principles that were imported into the country in the, in the second part of the 1900s after the Civil War. And that started in the universities, and then it influenced later, around the turn of the 20th century, the, the major political movement of progressivism and the, you know, the, the more famous national figures that people may have heard of, people like Theodore Roosevelt and Woodrow Wilson. Right. So... I have told people for many years that my dating, which is exactly yours, is again to the end of the uh, 19th century, 1800s, largely because, tell me if this is accurate, American universities by and large were not granting doctorates, so people went to Germany, among other places in Europe, but especially Germany, for doctorates, and the Germans had created the socialist idea. That's actually quite correct. Uh, and if you look at higher education in America, say at the end of the Civil War, it doesn't look anything like what it became, say, 50 years later, because we didn't have these specialized degrees. You had small colleges, most of them were religious in their orientation. But the trendy thing to do, and you know, we so often fall victim wanting to be elite, wanting to do the trendy things. You, you had a lot of good schools with orthodox boards, uh, trustees. They wanted to do the trendy thing and get some of these European PhDs onto their faculties. Uh, and so you had a, a, a really a transformation. Uh, and that's where ideas percolated, you know, at the, at the top of our politics and, and kind of filtered down into our thinking, into our language over the decades and generations. Uh, so um, I, think, I think, actually, you are putting your finger on, on the right spot there. It's very disconcerting. As I tell, you don't have to react to this, but I just want to remind my listeners that I have many sayings about life. One of them is, Germany is always wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, I mean, I will react to it. it the, 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 I think one to sort of underscore that in the context of our conversation, we're talking in modern liberalism about a move away from America's original constitutional principles, that government is limited, it's there to secure God-given natural rights that we have before God, you know, government doesn't give them to us, it's just supposed to be there to protect them for us. And... That is a philosophy that was targeted by the German state theorists in the 19th century and then ultimately brought over here by way of getting, getting in the, uh, the, those with, with the PhDs, in the social sciences especially. And that was what they tried to do with the social sciences was to give themselves or clothe themselves with the, with the mantle of expertise that the natural sciences had and uh, to sort of put, put them, uh, to be able to claim a certain amount of authority thereby. 
Right. It's an objective truth that government should be big. It's it's not an opinion. It's the it's the intended result of history, uh, and and that's that was the argument of the German state there. So is the can, can do you in your book document any blowback? I mean these these scholars would come back from Germany with these completely un-American ideas. Did nobody at their colleges say, hello, this is not American? There was some resistance, but remarkably little. And and you can find plenty of opposition to the policies that the progressives proposed and to their, uh, uh, their institutional reforms and proposals. But what you find in those debates, especially even among people who, who you might consider conservatives, for lack of a better way of putting it at the time, uh, people like like Taft or Coolidge or, or others, uh, that even in pushing back against the policies, they tended to use the language of the living constitution, of historical progress. And what it tells you was how, how deeply that idea what I tell my students is it was kind of in the air and the water at the time. And so even genuine policy debates were already sort of uh, taking place in this new framework, this new way of talking about politics. You know, the progressives always talked about it as a, a living organism. It's always on the move. You can't talk about permanent principles. Uh, you know, government depends on the times. Uh, and, and so the blowback, I mean, in a way, the blowback was not what you would expect. Uh, I guess I would, I would put it that way. Our side never really knew how to fight. Well, they, they didn't know they were in a fight. You know, honestly. Oh, that's very and, interesting. They didn't know. So the, how could that be? Well, because the, originally the progressive movement was an intellectual movement. It was among academics. I mean, even people like Woodrow Wilson and Theodore Roosevelt, before they entered national politics and became famous that way, they were academics. And so you had these very clear anti-American ideas, but they weren't put out there uh, so much for public consumption. And by the time you got to the New Deal, where people like Franklin Roosevelt are telling us that, hey, you know, we're, we're going to implement the ideas of our progressive... All right, we'll continue with the New Deal when we get back. I want to remind people... This important book is America Transformed the Rise and Legacy of American Progressivism. Hi, Dennis Prager here again with a message for anyone struggling with pain. Of course, I want you to know about Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that tens of thousands are now taking every day. I take it every day. I like being out of pain. But I know you may be skeptical. I certainly was. Then I kept hearing about all the people, including my wife, who were no longer in pain. So I decided to give it a try. In fact, listen to Janice's story. I was skeptical at first. But because of the pain that I was having when I would uh, substitute teach and have to climb stairs, so I have lower back, hip, and even knee pain. And after about three weeks, I found that I could climb stairs pain-free. But it wasn't only pain-free. I could do it step over step without holding on the railing. I'm really happy. It makes me feel like I'm young again. That's relieffactor.com or call 800-500-8384. 800-500-8384. Apparently things haven't been taught for a very long time. This is not new. So 
important book up at DennisPrager.com. America Transformed the Rise and Legacy of American Progressivism. Professor of Politics, to Hillsdale College's credit, I note, apparently it is not called political science, Ronald Pestrito is the professor that I am speaking to, whom I am speaking to. Is that correct? They don't call it political science at your college? We like to say politics. Political science is actually... Uh, kind of a, a creation of modern social science, which is bound up with the progressive movement. That's, That's right. Very much a conscious decision of ours. Yes, I, I, I assume that, and that's why I noted it. So I want to just review for my listeners the origins of all of this. America was founded on a unique, unique is not meant anything but literally, a unique idea, limited government. Its only purpose was to protect liberty. And Franklin was right. It's a republic if you can keep it. Apparently we can't keep it. Americans have fallen prey to the human disposition to wanting to be taken care of rather than being free. And this began in the late 1800s. As scholars, quote-unquote, went to Germany, got PhDs in big government, came back and undid the American Revolution over the course of generations. The, the, the great explosion, would you say, was the New Deal? Mm-hmm. Yes, I would say that. I mean, that's, you know, if you ask most people, you know, where would you trace the origins of, of big government back to, I think most people would say, and correctly, would say that, you know, the New Deal, Franklin Roosevelt, the 1930s response to the Great Depression, but even Roosevelt himself, you know, who was a who was a progressive as a young man, in his speeches explaining the New Deal, points back to the progressive era as the source of his principles. And he names Wilson, he names Theodore Roosevelt. Uh, the difference with FDR, I would say two things. Number one, of course, he has a much better occasion to try to uh, implement these ideas. He's got the depression. He has you know, uh, more of an emergency situation than the original progressives did. And, and we know, uh, as the left says, you never let an emergency go to waste. But also, FDR was much more savvy as a statesman. He understood uh, that to make the case for his new principles, he had to um, make the case that they were just a natural outgrowth out of the old, that he wasn't replacing the old, but just adding on. Did he believe uh, that? that? Did he believe you know? I don't know. I don't know that. Um, he he was imbibed enough in progressive ideas, Dennis, that that he, he would have known that the progressives viewed their own uh, ideas as a repudiation of the original constitutional order. That the progressives were very plain about that. There was no secret. There's nothing. Uh, you know, in, I'd love to say in the book I discovered some big you know big secrets, some hidden agenda, but it's right there on the surface, and and I just kind of present what they said they were doing. Uh, whereas FDR was much more, I think, uh, deceptive about it, and, and uh, which was the right tactic given his agenda. I'm quiet because I'm, I'm just digesting the undoing of the American Revolution, of course, in the name of helping people. How could you be against helping people? They, they really possess all the rhetoric. 
it makes us sound selfish. That well, we, the, go the on. idea of progress, right? That's a powerful term. It's why those on the left need it today. Uh, because who wants to be against progress? Yeah, that's right. Is Has any country... I mean, I don't think so. I don't think there's any country that's picked up the liberty first mantle. If 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 America goes this way, there's nothing left. Well, I think that America is seen by freedom loving people in many places in the world as as the last best hope, uh, and we get uh, we get many students at, at Hillsdale I know who who come there for that reason. Uh, and the, it's true that you don't have a country that so self-consciously identifies on the principles of our God-given natural rights, uh, and that those come first, uh, and that government is there to secure those rights. Uh, and we should be clear that it's not—no one would argue, and certainly the the American founders didn't argue that government doesn't change, government doesn't adapt, it doesn't implement new means. Uh, they they were not naive about that. They knew that they hadn't arrived at all the answers about the particular institutions. But the, this, the goal of government, the basic foundational principles, the things the government is there for, that's what's permanent. It comes from these permanent truths about human nature. Uh, and I think that is what makes America unique. Anybody other than Hillsdale teach this? <laughs> well, I mean, uh, you know, higher education's a mess, and I, I know you know that, and I know that that's been a topic of discussion. Uh, and so, you know, there are very few places that, that are countercultural, and they're, and they're thriving, I think, because people, people want this very much. Uh, I'm a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute, which is also uh, doing very well because it's, it's teaching these same things. And so... Uh, but we're in trouble. I mean, your higher education is, uh, I think we, have, we, we see now the fruit of what's been going on in higher education for 100 years. Article in the New York Times yesterday advocating that the government uh, basically end air conditioning. There's nothing wrong with sweating. That is actually what the piece said. It's a book. They, they reviewed a book no saying that. I'm sorry? Yeah, I have no trouble believing. I said I didn't see yeah. that, but I have Right. No I'm sure you have not. <laughs> That's exactly right. There is no arena of life once you start the government interfering. So I'll ask you a tough one because I battle with this. It's it's tough for me. And that is, was Barry Goldwater right in opposing the civil rights bill? I mean, I don't think so, Dennis. Uh, I mean, obviously, that the subsequent implementation of that and the direction it was taken by the courts is is one matter uh, and I think uh, there you know certainly there's a lot to worry about there but but if, what government what is government supposed to do government's supposed to enact specific laws and take specific measures that is that see to the securing of the rights you have by nature and so we do things in law where we recognize those rights. Those are called civil rights or civil liberties, right? right? They're, they're all products right. of the civil law. I hear you. And, I, want to, I want to push your book. Is that all right with you? Okay. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> You're a delight to talk to. Ronald Pastrito, the new book, 
America transformed the rise and legacy of American progressivism. You want to know where, why we are where we are? Read the book. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you about an interesting supplement that has made a big deal in my life. I had the, the pins and needles feeling in my feet. I've had it for about 25 years. It got quite intense. So among the things I did is I had inserts put in, which helped because it lifted the bone from the nerve. And I threw away the inserts last year after I started taking Nerve Renew. I read about Nerve Renew on the internet, and so I tried it out. And amazingly, after about a year, it doesn't happen overnight, I got rid of the inserts I had worn for 10 years. It's minimal, the uh, the pins and needles effect that I have. I'd like you to try it out. Go to NerveRenew.com. They offer a two-week trial of their product and a one-year money-back guarantee at NerveRenew.com or your two-week trial now. I asked them to advertise. That's how effective I think the product is, NerveRenew.com. Well, that interview was important. He documents what I have known. It's important to see it documented. That's what Franklin meant when he said to some woman, a republic, if you can keep it. And meaning, among other things, not a democracy, a republic. This was not founded to be a democracy because of the great fear of majoritarian authoritarianism. The left, of course, wants direct elections of the president. This was not founded to have that. The majority can be so easily misled and then crush the minority, which is exactly what is happening now, wherever possible, as in the social media, big tech, and so many other places. Nancy Pelosi just saying, no, you can't have the Republicans on the January 6th committee that I don't like. And that ends it. She acknowledged it's unprecedented what she did, but so what? Almost everything the left does is unprecedented. Like the New Deal. Like the war on poverty. The expansion of government to levels that in the nightmares of the founders of this country did not appear. In their nightmares. How many, how many people, how many young people, now old people, were taught that the unique values of the United States were predicated on limited government to maximize individual freedom, and that this runs against human nature, which wants to be taken care of and will sacrifice freedom in a nanosecond. New York Times actually has a piece favorably reviewing an idiotic book against air conditioning. Against air conditioning. Do you understand that global warming is just an excuse for government power and transformation of society? That's, that's what it is. It doesn't mean it isn't getting warmer, the, uh, the, the earth. I think it is getting warmer. But it's not a calamity. There would be no population boost as there has been. Arizona is a product of the air conditioner. 
The whole movement of the country to the southwest is a, is a product of the air conditioner. And there is actually a review of, an, of, a, of a book against air conditioning. Put you on trains, get you out of your car, get you out of your air-conditioned home into a non-air-conditioned apartment. These people are sick. They're bad and sick. Do you understand? They want to ruin your life in the name of idiocy. It's like the, the riots of last year were in the name, ultimately, of something that barely exists. Police racism leading to the death of unarmed blacks. It barely exists, do you understand? Under 20 unarmed blacks a year. Fewer than unarmed whites. And almost none of them the product of racism, including George Floyd. The whole riots were built on lies. The whole thing, because the media lies and people believe them. This, this is this is what we're at. Gone from limited government to the government controlling your thermostat, telling you what you can drive. They advocate in the New York Times that you not fly maybe once a year and only a few hundred miles. Yeah. And of course you shouldn't eat meat because cows produce carbon dioxide. So you should have fake meat, a spectacularly unhealthy creation. Fake meat, no air conditioning. Apartments, not houses. You don't need all the square footage you have now. These people are empty, and they fill their lives with, with fake causes to control your life. Those who have no lives wish to control others' lives. That's the way it works. That's what the left is about. That is what it is all about. It is a completely destructive force. And people don't care. They don't care. That's sad. That's why you got to fight. Liberty on earth is at stake in the battle against the American left. On earth. Not just in the United States. Hi, everybody. Yes, indeed. Here it is. The July 20th edition of the New York Times Book Review. A a book titled After Cooling on Freon Global Warming and the Terrible Cost of Comfort. You understand it's a religion leftism. And they're fanatics. These people are as fanatical as the most fanatical Muslim, most fanatical Christian presumably most fanatical Jew, though there are too few of them to produce many fanatics. So, the fanatics that we know from history, that's what they are. These are fanatics. But of course, if you've been brainwashed, you only think there are religious fanatics, no secular fanatics. Isn't that amazing? Ask your kid, are there religious fanatics? And he or she will say, of course. 
Then ask, are there secular fanatics? Hey, good one, eh? Something worth asking your kid who thinks that they know something because they're in college. To battle climate change, begin with your air conditioner. That's right. They're coming after your air conditioners. This is not a made-up thing. This is in the New York Times. That's right. The guy who wrote it is crackpot Eric Dean Wilson. I don't know who Eric Dean Wilson is other than a fanatic. Yes. Oh, my God. The quotes from his book. Listen to this. I needed to become more intimate with climate violence. The use of the word violence has also been raped. They rape language on the left. Like the word rape. They they rape the word rape. They have raped the word violence. Now, speech is now violence. Even speech that does not call for violence is violence. If they don't agree with it, it's speech violence. And now, climate change is climate violence. Well, he describes how the history of cooling personal and professional spaces is entwined with the history of racism. God, I never thought of that. These guys are geniuses. Yes, indeed. Air conditioning is a racist invention. Your kids are learning this at college, do you understand? And yet you willingly pay a fortune of money to have them learn dangerous drivel. If it was just drivel, it wouldn't matter to me. Now you know why I came up with the idea. With regard to college, better intoxicated than indoctrinated. My argument for four years of inebriation, as bad as it is, is not as bad as four years of indoctrination. Yeah. I I don't understand this. Before mechanical coolers were invented, enslaved children living in intemperate climes were forced to fan their oppressors for long hours. So what what does that mean? Why is air conditioning racist? One life was comforted at the expense of another, Wilson writes, with powerful simplicity. Whoa, whoa, these people are deep at the New York Times. That is powerful simplicity. Today, the global socioeconomic gap between those who can effectively cool their surroundings and those who cannot is widening rapidly, in part because we're depriving Africans of the ability to use fossil fuel well, this is the, the it's a very a very positive very positive review. Listen to this. He quotes this this um no, not true. He he this is the 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 writer of the column. I got to get you the name of the the other fool. Who is this? Hope Jaren, J A H R E N. Another deep thinker who wants to control your life and ruin it. After cooling, it's the name of the book, has its greatest impact when it asks us to think deeply. Deeply. 
about the reasons humans wish to change the temperature of their surroundings. You hear that? I want you to think deeply about why you want to change the temperature of your surroundings. In my opinion, it does not necessitate deep thought. We want to change the temperature because it's much more comfortable to heat one's room when it's cold and to cool one's room when it's hot. That, my friends, is not deep thought. So this does not necessitate deep thought. Ah, but according to Hope Jaron and the author of the book, it does. Listen to this. At one time, occasional sweating was simply accepted as a way of life, Wilson postulates. But now we regard comfort as a prerequisite for work and play. Deep, eh? At one time, we accepted sweating as a way of life. Of course we did. We accepted malaria as a way of life. We accepted everything that renders life difficult as a way of life. Therefore what? Therefore what? Did people enjoy sweating? Why did they fan themselves? Why did they sit on the porch? Why did they develop fans? Were they out of their minds? You could sweat. You understand, this is the New York Times. It's, it's drivel every day. All the drivel that's fit to print. But what does it really mean to be comfortable? Whoa, that's what they mean by deep thought. Is it merely the absence of discomfort or is it something more? Yes, it is the absence of discomfort. That is exactly right. You hit it on the nose. Is it a bodily experience or an emotional state? It's a bodily experience that creates an emotional state. I'm more productive in an air-conditioned room than in the heat. Why sit in the shade? Sun is normal. Hi, everyone. So the New York Times has come out against air conditioning. What's, what's bad with sweating? People have done it for centuries. This is what goes for deep thought on the left. I read it to you. There is no part of your life the left does not wish to control. None. Zero. That's right. Why flush toilets? People have lived with uh, urine in uh, their vicinity uh, for all of uh, all of history. Right? Yep. Jason in Oakdale, Minnesota. Hello. Come in, Jason. Hello? Yep. Hi, Dennis. Uh, big fan of the show. Hey. Have they shut the air conditioner off at the New York Times building? That's the simple question. You're a good man, Jason. (laughs) That's such an obvious point. Why didn't I think of it? Yeah. But I, I want you to know they would. See, they won't be, they won't start. But they would, in fact, be for legislation that would instruct places in the summer 
to be at, let's say, 76 degrees. And they would live with that. Just like in the Middle Ages, it was it was common to wear hair shirts or sleep on sharp things. You prove your religiosity, and leftism is a secular religion, and it is, is as fanatic as any God-centered religion in the history of the world, pagan or monotheistic. And they are willing... I believe, in the final analysis, to suffer as martyrs for the cause, to show their own deep religiosity. That, that is what I, I do believe. <laughs> Mike in California has the same question. How many writing people writing those articles sold their big homes or living with no AC? That's what they want. Save the planet. That's it. As if, as if the planet is at stake because of air conditioning. As if the planet is at stake, period, because of climate change. Climate violence, correct. The new term. But half this country will continue to vote Democrat. Part of the reason is they don't pay attention. We'll be back. The Green Police. Protecting and conserving the earth. 